0: So, our uh, reading this morning is 1 Thessalonians 5.17. It's a long one. Pray continually. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, uh, if you are a first-time attendee, welcome. Uh, If you are here visiting from out of town and somebody made you come today, and so that's why you're a first-time attendee, double welcome to you. Uh, if you're, this is your first time in Texas, uh, there's nothing better than turkey and football. Happy Thanksgiving. That's what this week is going to be like, so uh, enjoy it. Um, any of you guys that are traveling this week, uh, are you crazy? First of all, that's a horrible idea. Somebody should have talked you out of that. Uh, but if you are still traveling this week, we're going to have a special prayer for you at the end, so uh, stay tuned for that. Um, Who knows what this is, and don't say anything because you're going to give away your age, but I can tell you that in 1969, this was the equivalent of the Red Ryder BB gun from A Christmas Story. Uh, So what this is, for those of you, here's the mystery solved. Uh, This is the Mattel Hot Wheels supercharger. And uh, the Hot hot Wheels, if you're not familiar with what that is, were very small metal die-cast cars that you paired with these plastic tracks that were plastic extruded tracks. And uh, that's what the color of the track was. It's not a naturally occurring color. The closest thing in color to that is when you open Kraft Macaroni and Cheese and you open up the packet and that powder inside, that's what that color is. And so back in the day, what you would do with all of your buddies is they would take their track, and then you would go over to somebody else's house. And so everybody brought their track together, and you joined these tracks together with these red plastic splines. And so what you had is about a mile and a half of track, and you would run the cars down the track. And it, re- it required you to use gravity, so you would end up taking one end of this, and you would affix it to a, a chair or a table or something like that. And you would take the cars, and you would, they would go down the track, and you were like, oh, that was awesome, and you would do that again. And it would keep seven- and eight-year-olds busy for about probably 30 minutes, which, as a parent, you know how awesome that is. Um, so th- that was like the first iteration of it. And then Mattel came out with more and more iterations of it. And one of the ones that was my favorite was where you raced two cars down the track at the same time, and it was like, uh, under the light, some go, some blow. It was um, Tom the Mongoose McEwen and Don the Snake Prudhomme. And so they would start the two cars at the same time. They would go down the track. They would go over a loop, and then whichever one won at the end, the, finish, the, the winning, the, the checkered flag would fall over to uh, to the side. And so... That was awesome, but there was a problem. Uh, the, there was a, a start and a stop to the whole process. You would start, the cars would go down, and you would go back up to the top. So, uh, the the supercharger was it was a game changer in the world of of Hot Wheels because what it was, it uh, it ran on four D powered batteries, and what they did is they spun these two wheels in a counter rotating. Uh, Fashion and inside on those wheels, it was foam rubber. And those foam rubber wheels would grab your car and they would shoot it down the track. And it would go, your car would go down the track to a 180 degree bank and it would go around the bank and it would go down the back stretch and it would come around the curve here and it would just about run out of gas as it pulled in and then it shot it down the track again. Um, The reason this was awesome was there was no notion of a start or a finish. Once you started running your car, theoretically, it would run forever. Well, at least until the D-cells ran out and you had to go get more batteries. But um, it was a game changer in the world of Hot Wheels. And in 1969, every kid in the civilized, free world had to have one of these. And I was certainly no exception. So in order to get this, what I did was... I did what every kid that age did. I sent a letter to Santa. And in 1969, I took an amazing risk. I said, Santa, I'm only asking you for one thing this year. It is the Mattel Hot Wheels Supercharger. And I was pretty sure that that was going to work. But I thought, you know, I probably need a plan B here. And so my plan B was, I had just, at that age, I had just recently heard about this guy, God. And so I said, I am going to hedge my bet. I'm going to go belt and suspenders here. I got a letter into Santa, but I'm going to send a prayer to God. And I'm going to say, God, I have already sent a letter to Santa, but I need you to keep an eye on him. And if he whiffs on this, I need you to make sure that you're there to bring me the Mattel Hot Wheels supercharger. This was my first prayer. This is the first prayer that I remember, and this is where my prayer life begins. So in the evolution of my prayer life, I would say that this probably best equates to, well, to uh, the Pony Express. So I had my prayer. I went out in the front yard. The Pony Express rider rode by. I gave him my prayer as he rode by. He rode over the horizon, and he was gone. And And it was out of sight, out of mind. And that was how my first prayer went. As I got older, when I got into my, uh, probably my 20s and my 30s, uh, my, my prayer life evolved and it became much more like, well, like the telegraph. Dear God, stop. Doug here, stop. Big test coming up, stop. If I fail it, I will fail the class, stop. Need your help, stop. Love, Doug, stop. And as I got older and I got into probably my late 20s, my early 30s, my prayer life evolved into something that probably looked a lot more like well like email, and it went and it, and it was a little more flourishy, but not much, and it said, "Dear God, things are pretty rough here. I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing. I have no idea where I'm supposed to be going. I don't know what I'm doing I've got nobody to turn to I'm all alone, and I keep I hate keep asking you for, for help because you keep bailing me out and I keep." Screwing up. I don't know what to do. Send. So, the common thread that runs through this prayer evolution is this it's two things. One is it was a status update, it was a dear God, this is what is going on. Here's what's happening, and here's what I need you to do to fix it. And two, it was one directional. It was me to him. If things didn't change, I guess he didn't hear me. And if things did change, well, I guess he did hear me. So I think the best way to diagram this is this. Now, this is communication 101. There is not a quiz at the end of the the sermon today. But this is basically, if you draw out what communication looked like, this is the theory behind it. There's a sender that encodes a message, and they put it into a medium. They send it to the receiver. It gets decoded along the way. The receiver takes that message, and then they do a feedback loop. They take their message back, goes in the medium, it's decoded, and it's sent to the sender. And this is how communication rolls, whether you are a fire captain and you're putting out a three alarm fire and you're trying to move your firefighters around the fire. This is how that communication flow goes. This is the same as if you're using Siri to send a text to your husband who is at HEB trying to buy eggs and is most likely going to buy the wrong brown eggs. It doesn't matter. This is how communication goes. And if you want to take this and flip it over to what prayer looks like, it's exactly the same thing. It's me. I'm sending a message to God. I encode it. I put it into a medium. I send it to God. God gets it. He encodes it, puts it back into the medium to send it to me, and that's where it breaks. That's where my prayer life Used to break, and I think for a lot of us, I think that's where our prayer life sometimes breaks. We talk to God, God hears us. God talks back to us, but for whatever reason, we fail to listen or we just don't hear him. So, this is what my prayer life looks like now. I wake up in the morning, my eyes open, and the first thing that I do is Good morning, Father. And God's right there, three dots. He's already, on, he's already replying back to me. And he says, good morning. And I say, sorry I fell asleep last night when we were talking. And he says, no problem. Yesterday was a big day for you. And I say, that was an awesome sunset last night. I forgot to say that. And he goes, wait till you see the sunrise this morning. It's going to be even better. And then I say, what are we doing today, Lord? Lord? says, I'm glad you asked. And that is how my day starts. So let me stress something right here and right now. This is, not meant, this is not meant to be a lighthearted commentary or a satire. This is the best metaphor I can use to explain how my prayer life has evolved from where it was to where it is today. So what changed from the first three that I've told you about to, to what it is today? And the difference is is the loop is closed. It's a text with my best friend. So, like the Hot Wheels supercharger, this was a game changer for me in my prayer life. It's a continuous circuit with no starts and stops. It's one continuous conversation. So, for all the skeptics that may hear this at some point, everybody on the West Coast too, Uh, they're probably going to say, oh, right, God talks to us. Oh, right, God talks to you. And when God talks to you, Mr. Hinckley, what does he say to you? And when God talks to you, do the clouds part, and do you hear this thunderous voice? It's not exactly how it works. I think it's probably different for different people. The best way that I can equate it is my first job at a school, I worked for military intelligence, and I used to listen to the Soviet military over the radio. And it was about 95% static with just about 5% signal. And, uh, you know, if uh, maybe you're my age, there was once upon a time when there was an AM radio station out there. This is before the iPod. This is before terrestrial radio. There's an AM station out there, if you live far from civilization, where they play great rock and roll. And you would tune that radio in to get right on it. And it was still a little bit staticky. It was still a little bit hard to hear. But like a muscle, the more you worked it, the better that muscle became. And so that faint, faint signal became clearer and clearer. And I think different people might describe it different ways, but for me, it's something, I feel something fall on my heart, and I know it's not me, and I know now that it's God, and I can tell the difference. This is what my prayer life is like, and it took a long time to get here, but now that I'm here, everything is much, much clearer. So here's the payoff, and it's a semi-rhetorical question. Why is prayer so important? As Christians, it's a pretty big deal to us. It's pretty important. If you go to a Christian bookstore, even if you go to the bookstore down in the Galleria and you go to the Christian book section, most of the books there are on prayer. The how and the why, it's a big deal to us as Christians. So here's why I think it's a big deal, why it's the biggest deal. And I'm going to let you in on a little bit of a secret. And this secret is about the cycle of life. Every soldier, every Marine knows this to be true ever since 9-11. Sailors and and Airmen, too. uh, I can speak authoritatively on it, being a very, very old soldier. Is the cadence of your life is this. Train, test, test. Proof. Your whole world wraps around those three things. You, there's a skill you have to learn. You, you train, 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 train. You test, and then you go prove it on the battlefield. But it's not just soldiers, athletes do it too. My 12 year old's playing basketball at Lake Travis. And what she does is practice, 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 then the test to see, all right, how well are you doing? And then they go play in a game. Professionals do it as well. Doctors, they go to college, they go to med school, they pass the boards, they go practice medicine. Lawyers, they go to to school, they go to law school, they pass the bar, they go practice law. CPAs, they go to school, they take a CPA exam, they go, so professionals do it. It's all professions. A general contractor, apprentices, an electrician, apprentices, a plumber, apprentices, and then you go out and you do that in the world. It's not just soldiers. It's not just athletes. It's not just the trades and professions. It's all of us. From the first day that we're born until we draw our last breath, we go through this cycle. So what I'm going to do and we're running long, so I'm going to blast through these at 2x the speed except for 1 because it's important. And this is from... It's from a book called If Life is a Game, These are the Rules, and it's by Sherry Carter Scott, and these are the rules for being human. So listen fast. You will receive a body. You may like it or hate it, but that's the only thing you are sure to keep for the rest of your life. You will learn lessons. You are enrolled in a full-time and formal school called Life on Planet Earth. Every person or incident is a universal teacher. Three, there are no mistakes, only lessons. Growth is a process of experimentation. Failures are as much a part of the process as success. Four, a lesson is repeated until learned. It is presented to you in various forms until you learn it. Then you can go on to the next lesson. Train, test, prove. Five, if you don't learn lessons early, they get harder. External problems are a precise reflection of your internal state. When you clear inner obstructions, your outside world changes Pain is how the universe gets your attention. Six, you will know you've learned a lesson when your actions change. Wisdom is practice. So I can tell you every single challenge in your life, big challenges like an addiction or small challenges like maybe being nicer to your neighbor's cat, fit into this framework. And I would say that the, there's an overlay on this, that the purpose of practicing prayer is to make it possible to move on life's, to life's next lesson on the very first try. Now, I'm a hyper-pragmatist, and this is a hyper-pragmatic view of prayer. Prayer is so much more obviously. Clearly it is because it's half the bookstore. Prayer is singing God's praises when things are great. He proposed. What's the first thing that she does? She texts her best friend. Prayer is crying out to God when life gut punches you. He dumped me. First thing she does would be to to text her BFF. The point is, treat your prayer life like an unending text with God. The scripture today was short intentionally. Pray continually. A lot of the translations say, pray unceasingly. Once upon a time not long ago, many of us would have thought that impossible. Now we would find it impossible to live without our texting device. We use it unceasingly. Treat your prayer life like an unending text with God. Ironically, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's Thanksgiving, and we give you thanks and praise for all the blessings that number so high we cannot count. This is the week of the year that we ceremoniously lift up thoughts and prayers of thanks, and that's a good thing. Help us to remember that that prayer can be a continual and a continuous process. We can start a conversation with you that never has to end for the rest of our lives. You're always there. You always respond. It's up to us to listen. Lord, some of us are going to travel this week and help those of us that are going to travel to be thoughtful and patient, have a thoughtful and patient heart with our fellow travelers, as trying as that can be. And Lord, oh Lord, some of us are staying here, but we have relatives coming to town and relatives that can try our Christian hearts. And Lord, an extra helping of patience and understanding for them. Finally, Lord, help us to remember that the best way to appreciate our blessings is to have a generous heart for those around us that are less fortunate. And maybe we can each take a few spare moments or a few spare dollars to help them in their time of need. In your son's name we pray. Amen.